Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name is Pat Horn. On today's episode, we're going to look back at an industry that once used Muskegon Lake and Michigan's frozen winters to their profit. Today, we discuss ice harvesting on Muskegon Lake. In the 19th century, as cities were flourishing in Michigan, refrigeration of goods became important for those who didn't have the space or resources to make their own root cellars or ice houses. Thus, an ice harvesting industry moved in to fill that void. Combined with insulated ice boxes, the ice could keep foods such as milk cool and unspoiled for long periods of time, most importantly in the warm summer months. This ice, though, had to come from somewhere and had to be stored throughout the year to meet demand. On today's episode, we're going to see how this process was done and learn about the refrigeration wars of the 1920s when natural ice started its decline. For ice harvesters, the season varied quite a bit. In years with an early winter, ice harvesting could begin in December. Other years, they could be harvesting ice until mid-March. The best month for ice harvesting, though, was usually February. The biggest factor for harvest was the thickness of the ice. Most companies preferred the ice to be 10 to 12 inches thick, and they preferred if there was little to no snow covering it. This was ideal, but these conditions were not always met and many times thinner ice was cut if it seemed that another big freeze wasn't on the horizon. When conditions were right, various companies would hire groups of men to go out onto the ice and begin the work. Most had their chosen ice fields where they felt the quality was best or was closest to their ice houses. Once an ice field was chosen, the men would need to carve out a channel from the field to the shore. Usually the furthest out ice of quality was the initial starting point, and they worked their way towards shore. For the Magoon and Kimball Company, they would often go a half mile out onto Muskegon Lake. If you've seen the movie Frozen and remember the intro with the ice harvesters, it gives you a good idea of how the process was done from here. Maybe not in quite such a musical way, however. Once the channel to the ice field was carved, horses were let out to the ice with a large blade plow attached to them. The horses would pull the plow to make five parallel lines in the ice. Then the men would use saws to cut the sides before another group of men would use a trident-like tool to break the remaining edges free. This long rectangle of ice was then pushed down the channel by men who used pike poles. When the ice reached the ice house by the shore, men would split the ice into large blocks roughly 22 inches in size. These would weigh close to 130 pounds each. The blocks were then lifted by a conveyor belt into the ice houses where a ramp would slide them down to the workers at the bottom of the ice house. These conveyor belts could move one ton of ice a minute, but that pace was rarely kept up with as the men in the ice houses had to arrange the ice to pack it in there as tightly as possible. They might also have to use an adze to trim the rough spots on the ice to make sure it made a nice level layer. Once a layer was complete, they started the next layer piling on the icy floor. The largest ice house in Muskegon had 30 foot of height in which to stack the ice blocks. That ice house belonged to the Magoon and Kimball Company I mentioned earlier, who was the largest ice harvester in Muskegon. Their main ice house was on 3rd Street and had four rooms of equal size. The Magoon and Kimball Company employed 100 men in its operation and in a good year would harvest and store 15,000 tons of ice, or 30 million pounds. Once the room was full, they would add straw on top of the ice and on the sides to help insulate it and keep it from melting all year long. Originally, sawdust was used for this purpose, which was plentiful in Muskegon, but it would stick to the ice and lead to dirty ice that was hard to clean. Others in the ice harvest business included the Mona Lake Ice Company, 
the Muskegon Brewing Company, which used it to cool their beer, the Accidental, who used it in their kitchen and bar, butchers, and many shipping lines and passenger lines like the Crosby and Goodrich lines. In total, there were at times 300 men working on Muskegon Lake in the ice harvest. This production level was only reached if the weather was perfect for ice making, but as we know, the weather in Michigan is incredibly variable, and often poor quality ice was harvested. Such ice was often called slush ice, as it would melt quickly once removed from the ice house. This ice was, as you can imagine, disliked by the customers, but other options didn't exist at first. For delivery, customers would put an order in with an ice company, who would then deliver the ice in horse-drawn wagons. The Kimball Company also had seven small substations that ice could be picked up at. As the new century turned, other options for ice started to become available, mainly a system using ammonia that could produce artificial ice in large amounts. The Muskegon Brewing Company used such a system that could make 35 tons a day in 1920. In the early 1920s, you also had the spread of electric refrigerators which cut directly into both artificial and natural ice profits. Advertisements in 1920s newspapers show how heated this battle became to provide refrigeration. Both artificial ice makers and refrigerator makers attacked natural ice's supply. As areas such as Muskegon became industrialized, the waters that the ice were cut from became polluted, and this was played up with strong caution about diseases you could bring into your house with the ice, or questions on if the ice was safe to put in your drink. Companies like Kimball Ice replied by posting ads with their government quality ratings in them and adopting the slogan, Muskegon Ice is Pure. They also claimed that it was freer from impurities than artificial ice because it sat for several months in storage, and this deep freeze would kill the bacteria, something that didn't happen with artificial ice. Natural ice also happened to be the cheapest form of refrigeration too, as refrigerators were very expensive and added to your electrical bill. Not to be outdone though, the Calvinator Refrigeration Company pointed out all of the uncertainty with natural ice with an ad that said, Calvinator never goes on strike, never forgets to deliver, never tracks mud into your kitchen, and my favorite line, never put street dirt in your refrigerator. By the 1930s, ice harvesting was at its end as refrigerators lowered in price. The materials needed and technology to make artificial ice also became cheaper and more accessible and natural ice harvesters lost the battle to provide cities with their cooling needs. I would like to thank you for listening to Muskegon History and Beyond. Make sure to join us next week for our next episode. 